We are closing out our imperfect series. It has been imperfect. I will say that. Uh, it's been 13 weeks of a look at the life of Moses. Okay, look at the life of Moses. And uh, we have covered some incredible things in this imperfect series. Unfortunately, we have had to leave out some incredible things because we only had 13 weeks. And we basically went through the entire book of Exodus and part of Numbers in 13 weeks. And that's not healthy for any person that's preparing sermons. It's not good. Uh, we could have stayed in there for a year. Um, and so we did kind of skim across the border of, off the top there and, and, and kind of went the narrative of his life. And we hit some um, major things. And like I said, we weren't able to hit some of the others. But this is the final installment in that series 13 weeks in and today's sermon is simply titled looking back and looking ahead looking back looking back sorry i had to get a song in there in there at some point in time and looking ahead and you know at the end of the day moses found himself 120 years into his life his life really made up of three 40-year blocks, if you remember. He spent the first 40 or so years um, in Egypt, being raised in Pharaoh's house, being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And he spent those first 40 years of his young adult life um, learning the, the culture of the Egyptians um, but also remembering the way his mother brought him up in the first four to five years of his life as she was hired by Pharaoh's daughter to raise him. But then he spent the next 40 years after he murdered an Egyptian, spent the next 40 years, he found a wife. They have a complicated relationship, by the way. Notice she's not around. So on, on, if you look right now on Moses' Facebook, you haven't seen pictures of him and his wife for several years. And uh, you're not really sure what's going on. If you, really, if you really appreciate him, you're going to send him a DM and be like, hey, man, what's going on? I'm just trying to reach out. I noticed. Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's terrible. Anyway. <laughs> but it's complicated. It's complicated. But Moses finds a wife and two, has kids and develops a strong relationship with his father-in-law, Jethro. And for the next 40 years, he serves Jethro as a shepherd, uh, an important task, but a task that anyone could do. That was 40 years of humbling. That was 40 years of growing. That was 40 years of maturing. Uh, those of you that are in this room that are well, maybe well over 40 years of age, you could rewind your life 40 years and say, man, the last 40 years, God taught me a lot from the time I was whatever age until I am now. And imagine Moses the same and then we have God showing up toward the end of that 40-year period in the burning bush, revealing himself to Moses in a unique way as he would do over and over again throughout the rest of Moses' life. And for these last 40 years, we've seen Moses lead the children of Israel. We've seen him take them through the, uh, the Red Sea and crossing over the miracle there. We've seen him provide, we've seen God provide for the children of Israel through the leadership of Moses. But here we are, Israel, the children of Israel, on the brink of that promised land. The land that God promised to them as they left Egypt, as they did cross the Red Sea. 
And they're on the brink of it. Moses is up on the mountain taking it all in. If you remember last week, because of Moses' sin of striking the rock twice instead of speaking to the rock, uh, not necessarily the disobedience. We, we, we learned last week it was his lack of trusting God. It was his lack of giving God the glory. But God punishes him by saying, hey, listen, the 40 years that you've led the children of Israel, now they're coming to the promised land. You're not going to be the one who takes them into the promised land. That had to be a crushing, um, uh, I guess, end to the life of Moses. Remember, we can choose our own decisions, but we cannot choose our own consequences. And Moses stands on the mountain and he's looking over the promised land. I would imagine that Moses is emotional. I would imagine that Moses is looking back on the ups and the downs of the last 40 years. And as with any last words, we should pay attention to what Moses said. Unfortunately, this morning, the majority of the book of Deuteronomy really is Moses' last words. I'm not going to do that to you today. He recounts a lot of what goes on. We'll talk about it in a minute. But if you want to turn in your Bibles this morning, where we're going to land is Deuteronomy in chapter 33. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles, if not, we'll be on the screen in just a minute. But Deuteronomy chapter 33, Moses, the great leader, but the greatly flawed leader, stands up on Mount Horeb, overlooking the promised land, no doubt turning around and overlooking the wilderness, no doubt turning around and seeing areas where they have wandered, looking forward, looking back, and looking ahead. Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word. I pray that you would remove any distractions, that your word would shine through, that my personality or my comments or my opinions, God, would be in the shadows of your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, I want us to see final words from a flawed leader. Final words from a flawed leader. Moses knows his final fate. Moses knows that his life is coming to an end. Uh, Moses understands that this is culminating here before the children of Israel move into the promised land. And so as with anyone, I'm sure Moses thought through the words that he wanted to say and speak. Uh, to the children of Israel and generically, uh, many believe this was penned as well by Moses directly as he did it. Obviously, if you think through the writing of the first five books of the Old Testament, there, there were thousands of years that were taken up in that. And so some of that was, was written immediately as it was going on. Majority of it was written based upon gathering it together. And I won't go into that this morning. But here's basically what... The book of Deuteronomy does. There's a challenge that Moses gives to the people to commit to godliness. A challenge to commit to godliness. And, and if I were, this morning, if I were giving my last words, or maybe you've been around a family member who knows they're about to slip into eternity, and they, they bring you close and they say, I want to I I tell you something before I go. And, I, and I've honestly, I've not been in that situation before. And maybe some of you have been in that situation. My grandparents are all 
have all passed away several years ago, but I was never at their bedside. And I've never really had someone give me their last words specifically. But Moses draws them close and says, be godly. You know, the God who brought water from the rock, you know, the God who brought water from the rock again, you know, the God who gave you manna, you know, the God who gave you quail. Oh, you know, the God who gave you water from the rock, even when I disobeyed and hit the rock instead of spoke to it, that God, Moses challenges them to commit to living for him. And, and certainly we all understand that over the last 40 plus years, it's been a roller coaster for the children of Israel. And Moses is saying, listen, stay on the roller coaster, right? Stay on it. Like, don't get off. Um, continue to commit to godliness. I would say this, if I could speak to someone in my final words, I like that, committing to godliness. But he also challenged them to conquer the land with God. As they were moving in to the promised land, he follows up on the heels of that and he says, listen, God is going to lead you. There's going to be another leader named Joshua who comes along. They all knew Joshua. Joshua had been serving under Moses. Joshua's going to lead, and you guys are going to go through, and he challenges them and encourages them to conquer this land that God had promised them, but he challenges them to make sure they do that with God. Remember, if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. And he makes sure that he, that he challenges them that as you go forth in, in battle sometimes, as you go forth to conquer as an army sometimes, make sure that you're not doing it in your own power, but make sure you're doing it in the power and the leadership of God. Another important final word. But what we want to focus on this morning is kind of the third installment of his final words. Moses was a long-winded preacher, unlike me. But he, he proclaimed blessings on the tribes. So now Moses, I'll be honest with you, the first two points, Moses didn't pull punches. He brought up areas and times in, in Moses' life where they did not do the things he was telling them to do. But Moses ends with blessings to the tribes. He goes through actually each of the tribes of Israel and he gives specific blessings to them. By the way, it's kind of unique if you go back and look at those um, in context of, of what Moses was experiencing and had experienced, how he blessed each tribe individually was kind of interesting. But Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 26 is where we'll pick up this morning. The blessing that he gives the children of Israel, there is none, there is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you and in his excellency on the clouds. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say destroy then Israel shall dwell in safety. The blessing that he's, he's pronouncing over them. The fountain of Jacob alone. In a land of grain and new wine. His heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you, O Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. The shield of your, of your help and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you. And you shall tread down their high places. The blessing that 
this flawed leader, leader gave. When it was all said and done, even though Moses knew the children of Israel would have their ups, would have their downs, would have their spiritual highs, and would continue to have their spiritual lows, he prayed blessings from God over their lives. Does that remind you of the sermon a few weeks ago? Moses interceding for the people. It's Moses in between God Almighty and the people going, God, bless them. Israel, you're going to be blessed. Israel, you're going to have, you're, you're going to, you're going to have victories. Israel, you need to continue to put your eyes on God. It's Moses standing in between again in intercession. And so we see the final words that he had as a flawed leader. And we should always pay attention to final words in scripture. But secondly, we see this morning the future of the nation with a flawed leader. The future of the nation with a flawed leader. There was going to be a leadership transfer from Moses to Joshua. And as we've spoken about, uh, Joshua already, Joshua was with Moses when he went out into the tabernacle, when he was uh, with God. Uh, Joshua went uh, there, and actually after Moses left, it says Joshua stayed behind. And we don't even know what that means or what happened at that point, but we know this. We know that Joshua was very serious about what God was going to call him to step into. We knew that Joshua was very serious about his relationship with God. We know that Joshua is going to be, in the book of Joshua chapter 1, he's going to be challenged by God to lead the people, but to keep himself pure. We know those things are taking place. So the future of the nation immediately will be in good hands. And we know that the immediate future of the nation of Israel is that they will con that they will con uh, conquer the promised land and they will inhabit the promised land and and so we see the positives right off the bat that's going to happen in the future of the nation. But we also know the rest of the Old Testament, don't we? We know that connect groups, even after this, we're going to continue to seek for a flawed leader. And God's going to give us judges. Some of them kind of wild and crazy. Some crazy stories. But we're going to have different leaders and we're going to seek for a king. And God's going to give us Saul, an extremely flawed leader. And God's going to give us David, supposed to be an incredible leader, a man after God's own heart. But he's going to also show his flaws. And then God's going to give us Solomon and flaws and flaws and flaws and flaws and flaws. And we know that the future of the nation of Israel was going to be with the flawed leader for the next several hundred years. And we know that we'll see the children of Israel go through this cycle, God blessing them, Israel sinning, Israel repenting, God showing mercy, God blessing them. Israel sinning, Israel repenting, God showing mercy, God blessing, and we're going to continue through that cycle. And we know that the nation of Israel, while victories are on the forefront, we know the future of the nation of Israel would come all the way to the manger, would come all the way to Christmas, with Jesus wrapped in flesh, Emmanuel, God incarnate, with Jesus coming, and Jesus came unto his own, and his own did not receive him, they received him not. And we know that the flawed leader 
roller coaster that they're on, that the perfect leader comes and many reject. And may I say this morning that our friends that are practicing Judaism and the Jewish religion right now have continued over the last couple thousand years to reject the promised Messiah that Jesus was. And they're steeped right now in Old Testament religion and they're steeped right now in the sacrifices and they're steeped right now in following the law. And certainly we've spoken in this series about how we don't need to ignore the law. But even to this day, the Jews, many of them have continued to reject. And so with flawed leaders, they struggled. Even with the perfect leader, Jesus, the king of kings, they failed. But let us see this thirdly this morning. Faithful gospel pictures of a perfect savior. Faithful gospel pictures of a perfect savior. God only uses imperfect people. God only uses imperfect people. That's all he has to work with. He's got you to work with. He's got me to work with. He's got that person sitting beside you that you know all too much about. He's got them to work with. Listen, God only uses imperfect people. Moses was an imperfect representation of God to the children of Israel. But listen, our focus this morning is not on imperfect leaders. If the focus of this church is on me, let me tell you right now, I will fail you. I promise you, I'm going to just make sure you know it already. If your focus is on me, I will fail you. I won't call you enough. I'll forget your birthday. You will go in for surgery and I'll forget. I'm being, I'm a human. And I'm forgetful. Ask my wife. She's serving the kids today, but um, I almost forgot where she was. Just kidding. Uh, I'm forgetful. I'm human. If, 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 if you had the time today, I, could, I would go through all my struggles. I struggle with consistency. I struggle with getting things done without uh, pushing everything to the last minute. I've got, I've got flaws. I, like anyone else, struggle viewing people's hearts instead of viewing the outside i struggle just like you do and if this church is pointing to a flawed leader then you're going to be let down every single time but if this is a gospel church if this is a gospel centric church if this is a church where truly the doctrine of grace and the gospel has truly taken root then we simply acknowledge the the position of pastor and elder in our church, but we understand that that is simply a deflection to our shepherd. To our shepherd. And yes, God uses imperfect people, but the right kind of imperfect people God, God uses are the ones who deflect everything to him. And this morning, if you're, if you're ever in this church and you sense that this pastor or the leadership in this church is taking the glory and is, and is seeking the glory and only wants their own, then this morning you need to approach me privately, hopefully, uh, or publicly, you do whatever you want. You need to approach me 
and in a spirit of humbleness, say, listen, you're imperfect. And we got to point to the perfect. We got to point to the perfect this morning because God only uses imperfect people, but the, per- the imperfect person he wants to use is one who will point to perfection. And that secondly, imperfection merely points us to perfection. Imperfection merely points us to perfection. You see, the children of Israel had to think, man, Moses was such a great leader for us, and he did this and this and this, and we got frustrated with him, and I understand this happened and that happened, but man, Moses was a, was a, was a great leader, but man, he had those flaws. You remember when he completely disobeyed God? I had no idea that he was going to do that. He hit the rock twice. I didn't know what to do. My kids were right there. I thought he was going to hit them. I wasn't really sure what was going on. Did you hear that Like back in the day when he was younger, he murdered someone? Hey, at the end of the day, when you're around imperfect people, you know what it ought to make you do? Instead of judging the imperfect person, you know what it ought to, it ought to make you long for the perfect one. It ought to make you long for the perfect Savior. And far too often we get around imperfect people and we become judge, juror, and executioner. When we get around imperfect people, It should make us long for our perfect Savior. It should say, man, I've been around that pastor, and man, let me tell you something. He makes mistakes here and there and here and there, and he said this, and he didn't do this, and this is what he, uh, like, he didn't speak to me or whatever it was. He walked right past me in the lobby. Instead of going, man, I can't stand that guy. Maybe it's, I'm just glad that my shepherd is God and, and Jesus, and I'm glad that my relationship is not based upon how someone treated me, but it's based upon what Jesus did for me. The perfect one. The perfect one. That doesn't excuse ignorance and things by our leaders. But it merely says this. Every time we come across imperfection, we ought to be pushed towards perfection. Every time we come across imperfection, we should push towards perfection. God's grace is expansive. God's grace is expansive. God continued to show grace to the children of Israel time and time and time and time again. Here's Saul. Here's the leader you want. He fails. I'll show you grace. Here's David, the one I chose, God says, the the, the least of the brothers. He fails. God shows grace. Here's Solomon. He fails. God shows grace. Here's, 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 here's. They fail, they fail, they fail, they fail. God shows grace, 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 grace. Jesus comes, the perfect, sinless son of God, coming for the Jews, coming to, to not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, but coming for the Jews, coming for his people, and they reject, and God continues to show grace and grace and grace. Listen, there's grace for every single time you push him away. There's grace for every single time you choose your sin over the Savior. There's grace for every mile of your journey. He showed them grace. He's still showing them grace. There are people that convert from Judaism to Christianity every day. He continues showing grace. He will show grace. I'm not here this morning to talk about end times because that's my weakest point to talk about. I don't like to talk about that stuff because 
There's a lot of questions there, but there is something that we know. We know that God will show grace to his people. And how that, how that plays out is, depending on which theologian that you read after, could take place different ways. But we do know this, God will show grace to his people. God's grace is expansive this morning. God continued to show grace and will continue to show grace. Looking back, things weren't perfect for the children of Israel. There was a lot of issues and sin and problems, but God always brought them through. Looking forward, Moses, things will be good for a little while, but things won't always be perfect. But God will be faithful to continue to bring them through. God brought Moses up to Mount Nebo. And honestly, to me, a potentially sad situation. His life was over, about to be over. Yet there was so much more in store for the children of Israel. You know what I appreciate? I appreciate that God gave Moses grace eyesight to see comprehension in his mind to understand what was going on i think it's actually a beautiful picture of a man up in his years that god allows to go up on this mountain but i guess in closing this morning as moses is on the mountain looking back looking ahead he simply says god was there God is here, and God's going to be there. And this morning, if you look back in your life, the Lord was there. God was there. We can all look back in our lives so we can see. In case you're wondering, God is here with you and his spirit. His presence is with you right now, believer. And God will be with you. We don't know what the future holds. Lord knows, 2021, we we ain't got a clue. I'm praying, man. I need like a reset button. I want to install all the Windows updates on December 31st so that January 1st is different. I want a software. I need a new iOS on January 1st. Don't we all, right? 2020? Ooh. You know what? God's going to be there. He's got you. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.